Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Always a blessing and an opportunity to hang out with you here, so thank you so much for being a part of the show and a part of Wake Up Call and everything that we're doing. Fantasy football is something that is year-round. Mike and I know that. You should know that from listening to us all throughout this season and the last couple seasons. We're always happy to be here with you. Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. Myself, Dan Tatora, obviously, of WakeUpCallDT.com. We got a bunch of games coming up. Wild card already. No break in between. I like this. I like that it's the end of the regular season and boom, playoffs. I love that. We have Indianapolis at Houston, Seattle at Dallas, the Chargers at the Ravens, and the Eagles at the Bears. It's all coming up this Saturday and this Sunday, January 5th and 6th, respectively. And we're going to talk about playing daily fantasy. You can continue to, to be involved in these games, and we'll talk about our champions. So a lot to discuss as we've missed Mike for a week here. I was traveling down to Florida and covering the Camping World Bowl. That took up the weekend's time. And so Mike and I are now back here with you, Mike. How are we doing today? Awesome. How you doing? Doing very well. And uh, let me ask you this first and foremost. Were you able to watch the Camping World Bowl, and what did you think about Syracuse taking care of rival West Virginia in the great state of Florida? No, I thought it was impressive. I thought it was, uh, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, there was some challenges of players not playing the game and so forth, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's like we talked about before in fantasy. It doesn't matter. The end result is what people are going to remember. I mean, a lot of people don't remember who was the runner-up in the Super Bowl last year, but they remember who won. You know, it just it, it is what it is. You got to take home the hardware. You got to do what you got to do to win, and, and the Q's did that, and hats off to them for a solid performance all the way around. Yeah, you know, and that's a, that's the thing about it. Like you said, it, it's how you finish. You know, you have your ups and downs, but it's ultimately how you finish everything here. And and Syracuse started strong. They in the first part of their season they went four and two. In the second part of their season they handled business and went five and one. And then they went on to win their bowl game over their rival. They now have thirty four wins. Over West Virginia, West Virginia has 28 in the head-to-head, and Syracuse has won the last four. Let me ask you this about Eric Dungy. We talk about the NFL all the time. Would you put him on your roster as a, as a quarterback? Would you draft him at all? It's kind of a three-part question. Would you draft Eric Dungy, one? Two, would you draft him as your quarterback? And three, do you think he'll be successful? I think he'll be successful. I think he'll find his own niche in the NFL. I think um – you know, you're going to see a lot more of a hybrid-type player. Look at New Orleans. Look at Taysom Hill. Look at what this guy does. He's all over the field. He's an athlete. He's quick. He can catch the ball. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He's a special teamer, that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, guys like that end up growing into solid NFL players. That's a under understated position on the field as an all-around athlete, a guy who can get anything done and then when the opportunity does arise in a specific position, if it, you know, if everything fits, if the the system fits, the situation fits, the team fits, and and they're able, you know, he's able to go in and win games. Then why not as a quarterback? But I think initially he'll be like that that Taysom Hill type kind of player or a hybrid type player. Yeah, I would draft him. And, you know, I mean, and and that's a great thing to hear and a great positive to hear. And there is that Taysom Hill situation and. 
You know, Jay Bromley had brought that up. Jay Bromley, former Syracuse defensive lineman who's playing defensive line for the Saints and uh, got injured this year, so he's out right now, unfortunately. But he said that. He brought up Taysom Hill and said, I, you know, I kind of I could see some parallels there. And uh, obviously, you know, Taysom Hill's found himself a, a nice niche in Seattle in an offense and special teams that's going to let him grow and do what he needs to do. In the NFL, before we start talking about fantasy and whatnot, Mike, in reality, there's been a lot of coaching changes. I'm going to go down the line because I want to talk about each of these individually. Todd Bowles, four seasons with the New York Jets. He gets fired. Thoughts on this? Yeah, well, you know, if you're not getting it done, you're not getting it done. And you can't, you can't, you know, after those couple seasons, go 4-12 and 12 again. You know, I know he's got the rookie quarterback, but, you know, that's, it's the NFL. It's not for long. It's not for long if you're a player, and it's not for long if you're a coach if you're not winning. A lot of these guys, you know, people say, oh, they didn't get a chance. And, and there's even, you know, protagonists out there saying that race was an issue in some of these causes. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I believe you're either winning or you're not. And if you're not winning, you're going to get replaced. And, and that's what the NFL is about. It's a business. Okay? It's almost like college football. And I say that jokingly because – College football, I'm sure, profits a lot more than the NFL does percentage-wise because they don't have to pay the players. Here you have to pay the players, and that makes it even more of a business decision, in my mind, when you have to sell advertising, you have to sell tickets, you have to sell your fan base, you have to sell jerseys, and if you're not winning, you're not winning. And Todd Bowles had to go. He's not winning. Yeah, you know, and, and, and in my opinion, the only race that had to do with this is the one that Todd Bowles wasn't winning in New York. I mean, the, this man was not doing anything with this team from the beginning. They have Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, I think, is going to be – I said this before the season started. I said, my gut tells me Sam Darnold is going to be like Peyton Manning was in his rookie season. He's going to have a tough season. He's going to throw in a lot of interceptions, and then he's going to get better. Well, now he can do it with a different head coach. Adam Gase was fired with the Dolphins down in your great state of Florida, my second home and the second hub of, the, of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. He had a 23-25 and 25 record over three seasons with the team. Within that time, Ryan Tannehill was injured on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off. They also got rid of Jay Ajayi. They got rid of Jarvis Landry. They let all of their best players go. And since having Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor on the team – I still am waiting for Miami to stop rebuilding and to just be a team. It seems like they've been rebuilding for over a decade. Thoughts on Adam Gase's firing? I'm not surprised because Miami, to me, like I said, is stuck in this limbo of constantly trying to reinvent themselves, but it's not working, and there's no plateau. They're not reaching anything, in my opinion, and Adam Gase gets fired as a part of this. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, well, you know, Adam Gase tried to institute his offense, his way of doing things. Remember, they brought in Julius Thomas. That didn't go over well. That didn't work. You got wide receiver and Ryan Tannehill playing quarterback. That hasn't been working because he can't stay on the field. Then he can't stay on the field, so he doesn't get any consistent play. Then you bring in the, the, the million-dollar man to play quarterback, and he's not getting it done. He, you know, these guys have have flashes of brilliance. Then they do get a guy who leads the team in rushing last year, and they ship him off to another team. 
Then they got the most talented player on the field who leads the team in receptions and yards and big plays and yak and everything, and you get rid of him and Jarvis Landry. So I'm not going to put all the onus on Adam Gase, but I am going to say, if you don't have the ingredients to make a cake in the cupboard, you're not going to make a cake. You can't, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to make a cake. I don't have eggs. I don't have milk. I don't have flour, but I'm making a cake. I don't know what kind of cake you're making, but you're not making a cake. So I'm not going to put all the onus on him, but he's the guy who's going to take the fall, and it didn't work. Again, you have to win. And if you don't win, whether you're the general manager, whether you have a say in personnel or not, it's simple. These guys are all NFL players. They're the top players at, at what they do. And if, if it's personnel decisions that have led your team awry, so be it. But more so than not, these are the players we're going to have for you that are talented enough to be on a team and your job is to coach them up and win games. And if you don't win games, no matter what system was successful for you in the past, may not work for you at a new location, may not work for you with new players. And sometimes things just don't work out. I'm not saying Adam Gase is a bad coach. I'm not saying Todd Bowles is a bad coach. They didn't get it done. They didn't win games, and that's what it's about. And to answer your question, what type of cake would you make? Apparently the ones that they serve in schools now because you can't have gluten, you can't have soy, you can't have milk, you can't have sugar, you can't have flour. You can't have fun making a cake anymore. Vance Joseph, he gets fired with the Denver Broncos. He posted an 11-21 and record in two seasons, 5-11 and last year, 6-10 and this year. He did get better, and, they, and, and he posted the team's first consecutive losing season since 1971. 72 first back-to-back losing seasons for this franchise in over 40 years and they had had enough just two seasons in thoughts on this i mean denver was looking for a quarterback last year they're looking for a quarterback this year they brought in everybody and their mother last year they paid brock osweiler shipped him out and brought him back and it didn't work this year they brought in case keenum they're trying to do this that and the other thing this seems like a quarterback problem it seems like a personnel problem which which, like Papa Joe said a few minutes ago, would make you question John Elway more than Vance Joseph. But at the end of the day, Vance is the one that gets let go from this team, not John Elway. Thoughts on the situation and what was in the cupboard for Vance Joseph and if that had anything to do with his ultimate firing? Well, I think it had a little bit to do, and I think we've talked about this in the past. The personnel decisions made by John Elway out there are questionable at best most of the time. You know, I, I wasn't sure Case Keenan was the man, but I was confident in the selection and thought, well, he's had past success. Maybe he'll have success here. But look at the roster around him. Now, look at where they've ended up. Philip Lindsay, rookie. Royce Freeman, rookie. Cortland Sutton, rookie. Deshaun Hamilton, rookie. Tim Patrick, uh, inexperienced. Emmanuel Sanders, hurt. They shipped off Demarius Thomas. Uh, Devontae Booker hasn't panned out. They don't have a tight end on the roster. I mean, they have some position players that are assigned to the position of tight end, but you can't name them off the top of your head, Matt Matt LaCosse and and Brian Parker. Who are these guys? What success do you think a coach is going to have with guys that the average American does not know who they are? You have to have a couple guys. Now, Philip Lindsay burst out on the scene this year, and that was the one bright spot. And I'm, I'm confident he's the one thing that, that kept Vance Joseph from getting fired midseason. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. He hasn't won, didn't get it done. This one I kind of lean toward disagreeing with a little bit. I would have gave him a little more slack. I would have given him a little more opportunity to grow with the quarterback, all these new parts together. 
you know, you're throwing a bunch of uh, uh, different parts from different machines together and going, okay, go ahead, make it work. You know, it doesn't always work that way. You need to have a good engineer, and that engineer is John Elway, and he's not engineering a good product right now. Yeah, and, you know, that's the situation that they're living in right now is that, you know, Vance Joseph, like you said, what the hell were, you know, and, and I said, what was he given? What, who are these people? C.J. Anderson's not there anymore either. I mean, who, you know, Tim Tebow had to go after he beat the Steelers. He had to go for Peyton Manning. I would have just left him there just to have him in the locker room, but he had to go, and ever since then, what have they done? Nothing. You know, they let Malik Jackson go, mind you, by the way, after he won a Super Bowl and he went to Jacksonville, and in just two years, the team was four points away from being in the Super Bowl themselves. So a lot of personnel decisions that don't come from the head coach, they come from the front office. When it's, we're going to keep this contract, not. The coach might have a say or two, but the general manager and, you know, the and the president and the this and the, and the executive VP and whatnot, just like with Jacksonville. What did Chad Khan say? And and I know some people have different situations, but what did Chad Khan say as the owner? The executive VP is who? Tom Coughlin. It's all in his hands. He left the decision of Dave Caldwell. From what he wrote, he left the decision of Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone to Tom Coughlin. It is and will always be in the hands of Tom Coughlin. He said, this at all times is in the hands of Tom Coughlin. So, is this team not in the hands of John Elway? But you can't fire your your phenom quarterback. You can't fire one of your top three best players of all time, can you? And that's the situation that, I mean, I guess if Denver keeps losing and they have another coach and another coach and maybe another coach, maybe they have seven or six other quarterbacks, then maybe the conversation is John Elway. But right now you can't fathom that because John Elway, is he's gold in Denver. Dirk Cotter got fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He gets let go. After the Bucks lost their season finale to the Falcons, five and eleven for two years in a row. Dirk Cotter, I don't think was a household name before. I don't think he's a household name two years later, which is why Tampa is not sticking with Dirk Cotter. What do you think about this situation and and him being let go? And if Tampa had ever made the right decision with him, because it just to me this one didn't it didn't feel good. It didn't splash. It, it, it didn't. Say, it sounded like a glorified backup getting a starting role type of thing. What is your thoughts on Tampa and Dirk Cotter? Well, the whole reason why Dirk Cotter got the job was to, to show some cohesiveness for Jameis Winston, to show some stability, to show some continuity, to let him get past the learning curve of learning a system and having to relearn another system right behind that. It's not working. Okay, you're keeping the wrong guy. You know, maybe Carter has to go, but Jameis Winston has to go as well. Tampa's come out and said, yeah, they're going to get a new coach, and they're going to say Jameis Winston is your quarterback. They're going to hitch somebody else's career and their job to a losing quarterback who makes bad decisions. Now, I'm not just talking about bad decisions on the field. I'm talking about bad decisions off the field. And we knew about these bad decisions before he got on the field in Tampa. I don't have to talk about crab legs or Uber car trips or drinking parties or standing up and announcing things in the FSU cafeteria and I don't have to talk about throwing four and five interceptions getting benched and then having another guy throw four or five interceptions because you're not getting it done I don't have to talk about Ronald Jones not panning out this year and Peyton Barber struggling I don't have to talk about Deshaun Jackson he's, he's frustrated he's mad he's upset he got put 
anybody inactive list the last week after he came out and said he doesn't, he's not long for Tampa Bay. Well, they're not long for you either, Deshaun, because you're not getting it done. I know you're pouting because Ryan Fitzpatrick was not the quarterback there, but it's the NFL. It's not your choice. A few bright spots, Cameron Breed. Another bright spot, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphrey. So there's some talent there. There's guys there that can make this happen. I don't think they have the leadership, and I think the leadership starts upstairs. I think it starts up top with the ownership. You're keeping the wrong guy. you got to scrap Jameis Winston. You can get out from under his contract. Let him go. If it hasn't worked now, it's not going to work under a new system. Let Jameis go. Bring in a coach. Bring in a quarterback, whether it's a veteran to bridge the gap and you draft a rookie quarterback. I know there's not a deep class this year, but you have an opportunity next year as well. Jameis ain't cutting it. Jameis is not a $21 million quarterback. You're making a mistake, Tampa. Yeah, you know, and I would agree with you with this. I think that this is the easiest conversation of a quarterback and a coach that just weren't panning out. I think this is an easy move to make. It's an easy switch to make. And I think that Jameis Winston's going to doom his next head coach as long as he's the quarterback of the team. He's either going to doom him job-wise or he's going to doom him with getting himself in trouble again or both. Jameis Winston allegedly didn't do this and didn't do that at Florida State, but now he's a pro and he's at Tampa and he's still getting in trouble and there's still issues. So all the stuff that we didn't want to believe happened before, did it actually potentially happen? Because look at what he is now. I mean, somebody who gets wrongly accused is not going to keep coming up in the news more often than not. He was allegedly wrongly accused and has been getting in trouble for how many years now? So this seems like an easy get rid of the coach, get rid of the quarterback, move on with your life. Marvin Lewis gets fired from the Cincinnati Bengals for the second straight year. He steps down, gets whatever you want to say, however semantics you want to call it. But Marvin Lewis is not the head coach of the Bengals. Last year, the Bengals let him go, and then I think they had a team meeting and said, who do you think's available? And somebody yelled out, Bob, Bob from accounting yells out, Marvin Lewis is out there, and then all the Bengals go, yeah, we heard he's available. We should probably give him a call, forgetting the fact that they're the ones that made him available. It makes no sense to me, but it sounds like an episode of The Office last year with Marvin Lewis and the Bengals. This time around, they let him go. Allegedly, it's for real. What do you think about this one, Mike? Yeah, I kind of agree with it. It's been 16 years. You know, if, if that's not happening, it's not happening. And I know they had trouble with quarterback with injury late. Joe Mixon really turned it on. Uh, didn't see much from Mark Walton this year. Tyler Boyd really turned it on. I know they had injury to, to, to AJ that, you know, is really, you know, catastrophic team-wise. CJ Uzuma stepped up. Yeah, you know, there were some guys that stepped up big. It, it, it just—it's a shame that it had to happen. It was time for a change. That they need to do something different. Hopefully, the you know Andy Dalton will be back, and hopefully everything will be fine, and hopefully they'll move on and you know get get something going. But it was—it was just time for a change. If if you're 16 years in and you're still as a team, you don't have any outstanding signature victories or playoff wins or Super Bowl appearances. It's time to go, and that's what the NFL is about. Again, I'm surprised he lasted this long. Yeah, it's very, it's uh, it's very, I don't know, it's very strange that we sit where we sit with Marvin Lewis, with the Cincinnati Bengals in this unhappy marriage that somehow just kept going. Mike McCarthy and Hugh Jackson get fired in season, so I'll tandem them in this one, Mike. 
Thoughts on McCarthy? I never thought he'd get fired as the Packers head coach until he started seemingly arguing with Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, and then the team didn't play well. Hugh Jackson with the Browns, I'm surprised he had a job this year. So with Mike, I'm surprised that it went sour. With Hugh, I'm surprised that they kept him. What are your thoughts on the midseason firings or in-season firings of Mike McCarthy and Hugh Jackson, them kind of knowing beforehand that they're not going to be there that long? Well, obviously, you know, uh, hindsight being 2020, the Hugh Jackson move was very smart because they started putting up some wins and started getting things happen. You know, started moving the ball. Baker Mayfield seemed a little more loose. They seemed to be able to make things happen. And I think the early part of the season with the stubbornness of Hugh Jackson, I'm going to call it stubbornness. There was some mismanagement of game cough. There were some games that I felt they should have won that they lost, and they ended up tying. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's still the same story. You got to win. And, and, you know, Hugh Jackson got brought over to Cincinnati with Marvin Lewis. So I wonder if he's still going to be around Cincinnati or if he's going to be, you know, be departing as well. More likely than not, he'll be departing as well. But the McCarthy thing is puzzling. Seem to have everything going for him. But, you know, again, they're, they're, you see this in, in Tampa. They're putting their eggs in the basket with the quarterback. The quarterback wins out. We see this in the NBA. The player wins out. They keep the player and they fire the coach. Look at what happened to the Orlando Magic years ago with Van Gundy and Dwight Howard. I mean, this goes on. If there's a disagreement between a top-level elite player, all-star player, pro bowl player, all-star player, the team is going to side with the player and they're going to ask the coach to leave. And that's what's happened here. And, and McCarthy's in a... You know, was in a bad situation. I think McCarthy would do himself wonders to take the Cleveland job. I think they got some outstanding depth. I think they have the personnel. I think they have the talent to immediately make some something happen. And I think you put McCarthy in there, they could go places in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, and and I agree with you on that. I think Mike McCarthy is a good coach. I, I think that you know he's obviously. Hey, I think he's one of the coaches out there right now that you hire him and you got a shot at a championship. Even though Green Bay had their woes this year and whatnot, I still give it up to Mike McCarthy. You know, Steve Wilkes, though, the other one we got to talk about of the Arizona Cardinals, he was given about 15 seconds as the coach of the Cardinals before he was let go. Thoughts on the Steve Wilkes situation in Arizona? Yeah, this one I didn't agree with at all. I don't. I, I don't think he was given a chance. I, I don't think so. He had the rookie quarterback. You know, David Johnson was suspect at the beginning of the year. You had old man Larry Fitzgerald hanging on, but if you can't get him the ball, you can't get him the ball. You know, defense was in shambles at times. They've lost some players there, too. So, you know, I, I, I think this one was a little unjust. I think they were a little trigger-happy. The only thing I can say is maybe they have something else in mind. Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they have something coming that we don't know about yet. Because remember... You can't really talk to a lot of these coaches on playoff teams until after they're eliminated, basically. So, you know, the better candidates, of course, are usually the coordinators that are with the winningest teams that are still going to be active for the next month or so. So, you know, it's a shame, but it is what it is. And uh, wish them well. And hopefully Arizona's got their team's best interest truly at mind. You know, or, or maybe there's things we don't know. Maybe they were like, hey, you know what? We made a mistake here. This isn't our guy. I know it seems unfair, but we can tell this isn't our guy. We're just going to cut a clean and start over. We made a mistake. If that's the case, well, good for Arizona. But this one is a bit puzzling to me how quick they were. 
Speaking here with Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com. We do it every Thursday in the second hour of the show, and we're talking about the coaches that got fired. In the state of Florida, there's Jacksonville, there's Miami, and there's Tampa Bay, those three franchises in the NFL, all in the state of Florida. Miami fires Adam Gase. Dirk Cutter gets fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but Doug Marone gets retained by what Shad Khan says is Tom Coughlin's decision. Thoughts on that one? Well, I, I like the decision. I, I think it's a good decision. I think that, you know, Syracuse guys and Marone and Coughlin, they, they seem to know what they want. The question is, is, have they made some right decisions? I think the team has, the general manager has, Dave Caldwell's built that defense. He's brought in some talented players. So I think Coughlin's on to something here, and I think Marone's on to something here, and I think... Good for Shot, you know, Shot Khan, identifying that, you know, cohesiveness and consistency is just as important. As long as you got the right person to do the job, they'll get the job done. You got to give them the opportunity. You got to give them the tools to get the job done. And you got to give them the time to get the job done. And the thing that saved Doug Marona is he made that appearance throughout the playoffs last year. Yeah, maybe Blake Bortles might have been a miss. Maybe Leonard Fournette's not the guy because he's constantly injury-prone and cutting up on the sideline and not being a good team player and, and fighting people during the game. Maybe, you know, some of these young receivers in Westbrook will pan out, a Chark will pan out, a Keelan Cole. Maybe they'll find a tight end. They already have the defense. If Jalen Ramsey can keep himself in check for a year and turn around and mature, maybe they can keep him, but he's looking like a lost cause as well. As well. I think Marone getting the opportunity to continue to let Jacksonville grow is a good thing for the team. I just wonder what decisions Jacksonville is going to make personnel-wise, especially a quarterback and running back. That's going to dictate how much longer Marone is around. Yeah, you know, and Marone fired his offensive coordinator, Nate Hackett, midseason. He also fired a bunch of the assistants. Uh, allegedly, Tyrone Wheatley, who I, who I know from his time at Syracuse, and obviously he played in the NFL, uh, Tyrone Wheatley, the running backs coach, was let go after Tom Coughlin said that he was disgusted with the way that T.J. Yeldon and Leonard Fournette were acting in the final game of the regular season against Houston on the road. What are your thoughts on this, that from the outside looking in right now, and, and hopefully we'll get more information, I can look deeper into this, but that the attitudes of the running backs – ultimately cost Tyrone Wheatley his job. Do you believe it or not? Well, you know, sometimes we're told one thing, but it's really another. And sometimes people take positions because maybe that, you know, it looks better publicly or, or what have you. It could be. It could very well be because, you know, who is the person responsible for those players? Well, it's their coach. Who is their coach? Tyrone Wheatley. So I get it, you know. And if you can't control your players from the most basic standpoint, look, Years and years ago, I was in the restaurant business. And, you know, I, I, I flourished there. I did well. And one of my earlier bosses said something to me that always stuck with me. You got to make sure the bathroom is clean. That's the number one thing in a restaurant besides the quality of the food and the cleanliness in the kitchen and the service, etc. I said, I don't understand. You know, be, you know, people come in here and they dirty up the bathroom. He says, yeah, but you have to keep it clean. He says, let me ask you a question. If you can't do one little thing like keep the bathroom clean, how good are you? And what I'm trying to say is if you can't do the most basics of tasks and keep your personnel who you're responsible with 
in tune, in line, in position, and moving forward, how good are you? And apparently that wasn't getting done. So, you know, good riddance, part, part ways, whatever. Or maybe, it, you know, like we said, something else. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. You know, they're going to side with the player more so than the coach. Maybe this is a sign of reprieve for Fournette. I know one thing, Fournette's going to be a lot lighter in a wallet and they took away all of his uh, his bonuses in his contract due to the player conduct policy. Yeah, I mean, we, we've sit here right now in a very uh, interesting situation, and, you know, it, it's this is the beginning of the end for Doug Marone if he doesn't get it done because he has now fired one of his coordinators and he's fired multiple assistants, people that he's responsible for, people that had connections to him at Syracuse. So... You know, if this doesn't work, then Tom Coughlin makes the call. This is how I feel about this, Mike. Let me know what you think. I think four or five games, four between four and six games in, if Doug Marone's not winning, Tom Coughlin either takes over the team or lets him go. Something's going to happen. I believe four to six games in, they're not going to let Doug keep going if Doug has issues next year. Agree or disagree? No, I disagree. I think they'll keep him the whole year regardless. I think they understand the latitude of what's happening. And, you know, with Shad Khan coming out and making that, that statement about consistency, that's not a very consistent thing to do in the middle of a year. So I don't. I think that would be out of character for him in a way. Uh, but, you know, nothing passes. Nothing would surprise me. You know, as we've seen in the NFL, you have to win games. And if you're not winning... There's only so much, you know, that the fans can take. There's only so much that the owner can take. They need to put a winning product on the field. So I think Jacksonville will be okay if they can get this quarterback and running back situation straightened out. And it's a shame you have to include running back in that conversation. You know, you have one of the most talented guys. A, he can't get on the field, stay on the field. And when he is on the field, you're afraid he's going to punch somebody out or cut some jokes on the sidelines. It's not the right guy. It's like Jameis in Tampa. It's not the right guy. Everybody can see it. But they're already married. They've already hitched their wagon to it. They've already invested a lot. Maybe they're going to ride it out and give it one more chance. The Tom, but you have Tom Coughlin entrenched there. If you need an emergency head coach, you have one. And it sounds like Shad Khan's leaving a lot of it in the hands of Tom Coughlin. Could you see Tom Coughlin getting more involved, even if he's not called the head coach? Do we not see that Tom Coughlin has Doug Marone on a tight leash? I, I think he might be, but I don't think so. I think because of their past experience, because of knowing each other a little bit, and between, again, what Marone was able to do last year has has given him a lot of slack in the leash there. I think that he's able to, 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 to you know, get away with things or do things or, or, or ride out more time. I think he's bought himself more time with the team's performance last year. You know, it's a very un like team. When you're talking about lack of discipline – and you're talking about getting fighting penalties and cutting up on the sideline. And, you know, these are things that would get lesser players cut. If Leonard Fournette was the long snapper, he'd be unemployed. If, if Leonard Fournette was the third string uh, linebacker, he'd be, he'd be waived. He'd be cut. He'd be gone. You know, and, and, and that's the same thing with Blake Bortles. If Blake Bortles were a top five pick, he would have been gone already. You know, they've already invested so much in these guys. They they found something positive in them. They're trying to make sure they're not missing that positive. It's not a matter of the coaching. It's not a matter of, you know, the, the, the effort of the player. 
I don't think Tom Coughlin comes back to the sideline in any capacity. I don't think he's the head coach in any capacity. I think at best he's an advisor. He's a consultant. You know, and I, I almost don't want to open up the can of worms with the Urban Meyer thing here, but that's what it kind of seems. They reach some sort of other agreement. He's now going to be the assistant athletic director. And come on, let's just call it what it is. You know, if you've decided to go another way, if politically things aren't what they are or things aren't where you want them to be, move on, say you made a mistake, admit the faults, correct them, take corrective action, and go win some games. And hopefully that's what they're going to start doing here in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's going to be the wait-and-see game right now to see where they're going to end up in the grand scheme of things. But hopefully we'll be able to see some positives happen for Jacksonville in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Mike and I here speaking on a, a lot of different things in the world of the NFL right now. We're going to get to those games coming up. We're also going to honor our fantasy winners once again. And we will do something right after this fast break, which is make the statement that if a fantasy expert can become a general manager in the NFL, how long do Mike and I have to wait before we get our phone call too? We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat Family-Friendly Sports Pub and Restaurant. 